what gets worse at night? My cough. Your cough. I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> That's why I asked. Well, you looked at your watch like, oh, is my it watch, nighttime? No, my watch told me to breathe. Oh. <laughs> okay, see. Even a minute of breathing can relieve stress. Wait, what just happened there? Like, I totally took that personally. And you, like, looked at your watch, and then you looked at me kind of weird. Because you said it gets worse at night, white night, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, but you didn't say anything. Oh. I'm just giving you space, man. Oh. I'm just giving you space. You know what? I'm just asking for a little bit more, a little bit more communication. What's going on inside your head? I'm just happy. I'm super happy. I'm super happy. I. <laughs> so happy. I'm so happy. Okay. Yeah, I didn't bring my book. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> hey, because guess what? We're done. Yes. So the end. Uh, thanks to Noogenics for the music. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did it. We finished this book. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How'd you feel when you finished the book? Sorry for the cough drop. Um, very angry. Mm. Very angry. And it still makes me angry mm. a little bit. Yeah. Angry. Uh, <laughs> anger at what? I have my. I mean, I'm. I'm. Ang- I have my feeling. <clears throat> What's your anger at? You know, I naively thought there would be some satisfaction mm. in <laughs> finishing, like like something would be resolved mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. revealed. Yeah, and um, nothing was. <laughs> and in even reading it, like I. I texted you. I was like, I was like excitedly reading it, naively thinking like, some I'll find something out. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I just got to a point and I was like, this is so boring. Like even at this late stage, whatever part, I was just like, unnecessary detail, whatever. Nothing's happening. Tangent. And then, and then it was done. And then it was done. <laughs> and it just, yeah. And the way it ends, I don't know if we should save it for, I don't know if. You can do you, you want to do the rundown, um, but uh, like the way it ends is like feels like yeah extra. It feels like all the worst parts of the book, all the parts that I have disliked the most, is how the book ends. Which are so not so uh, over uh, exaggerated, um, exa- an exaggerated sequence. It's very grotesque. It's very it, there's literal torture in mm-hmm. it. Like it's very violent and and um, gross um, in a way that doesn't seem doesn't seem necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and uh, and gives us no resolution to anything. It's a flashback to the time, you know, to a time before. <laughs> but I don't feel it. I don't feel like it gives us was it anything flashback? about that character. Yeah, because I mean, it's, was, I thought he was like. Oh, he was just reminiscing. Well, when I say a flashback, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a. It's in the. It's a character in the quote unquote present of the book remembering something from their past, but just yeah, like yeah, it, it doesn't really seem to tell us anything in particular about that character. You know, I didn't even analyze it for that. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like this whole time we've been like, can we trust DFW? Can't you know? Is you know? Is there some? Payoff. Mm-hmm. This is deliberate. No. And the answer is no. 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 Can't. Nothing pays off. So, I mean, I, for one, I don't have to go throw this book in the lake because this book is not Infinite Jest slash. I mean, it is. <laughs> the book is literally titled Infinite Jest, but this book is not somehow a representation of the video Infinite Jest. 
because that just slips away. Who seems to care? Nobody cares about that. What are you talking about? What video? Remember the whole theory that we'd get to the end and and it would somebody would say my my theory that we might get to the end and someone would you know somehow lay out like this document that you are reading is the entertainment. It was a very far fetched theory, (laughs) but it was a theory like of something that might be. I was theor- I was theorizing, oh, that would be an ending that would make me mad, but at least it would be something that would tie the whole book up of like, there's a point to this whole book. That's true. This book is the thing that everyone has been talking about. Mm-hmm. It would at least be a point. This had no point. Okay. So I, if you feel like you want to do the rundown, we can for consistency's sake or whatever, or for our devoted listeners. Yeah. But- I don't want to spend too much time on it. I don't. But I want to get to, I guess I want to get to something, which I guess I could just jump to. But let's see. Let's see if there's anything even here. Um, Last week, uh, we were sort of jumping back and forth between Hal in first person and Gately is in the hospital. And that pretty much is how it continues, right? Last week, Gately in the hospital remembered how he played high school uh, football and then how he was sort of kicked out of that program Mm -hmm. um, and kicked out of high school. And uh, then, so this time, so Hal's on the floor. He's talking about some videos his dad made. Uh, Gately remembers how he started to become, how he first got in with criminals and became a debt collector for a gambling, uh, for for a bookie. There's a single paragraph where Pemulus is getting something out of a drop ceiling. We don't even know what it is. Gately, has, there's more about uh, his partner, his debt collecting partner, um, was doing some t- sort of scam. Yes. So which becomes which that is kind of the end of the book. To- we meet the character, newly meet the character of Pamela Hoffman Jeep, who's there's just so much. Oh, there's this whole long story about '80s Bill and '60s Bob and Gwendolyn O'Shea, who's the the secretary of the bookie. And I wrote down so much detail. We get so much detail in this story. Yeah. So. Just every single person has like 20 details attached to, you know, and he wore this outfit and he did, he listened to this music and he drove yes. this car and it was just like, okay, okay, okay. Get us somewhere because we're getting real close to the end. And then there's a single paragraph where Joelle Van Dyne meets Steeply and is told her life is in danger. Um, and it, and this makes me extra mad in rep- retrospect. He's like, Pemulus getting the thing out of the drop ceiling. Joel Van Dyne meets Steeply. You're like, oh, Joel Van Dyne meets Steeply. So that something's going to wrap up here. We're going to, like, these major characters are meeting. Mm-hmm. We're headed towards some sort of resolution. And then Gately's, his his partner's scam is found out. and But he has a whole bunch of um, some, sort of, some sort of narcotic. And he's just starting, starts this binge of just sitting in the, and this is all in the past. This is him remembering, him in his hospital bed, remembering this massive drug binge. And then, oh, Joelle Van Dyne describes the two scenes she filmed for Infinite Jest. They're kind of sort of match the little bit we knew about Infinite Jest, but they don't sort of mean anything. Yeah, they're not super descriptive or. And then. Hal is on the floor, and and their Stice's bed is. I wrote down objects. Stice's bed. Stice's bed is stuck to the ceiling, 
there's a little hint, there's a little thing here that I kind of want to talk about where people keep thinking that Hal is laughing at them or is it has a, an amused expression on his face that mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to realize realize or share. Okay. So then there's a description of um of a one of Jim and Condenza's cartridges that Hal is watching that he has seen before called Accomplice that is about like gay sex. Oh yeah. <laughs> And that has like a razor in it and blood and talks about the conventions of homosexual sex films and stuff. And just there's a whole thing here. All of a sudden of like, (laughs) whoa, this is like James Incondenza made movies like this and his kids have been watching them. And and not that it's, I want to make clear, not that it's gay sex, but that it's like pornographic and kind of weirdly violent weirdly violent and and rapey and rapey and it's like whoa whoa that's weird that feels like that deserves a lot of investigation if that's the relationship that this like oh yeah my dad made these like super hardcore pornographic films and we've just been watching them since we were kids like like that feels like that would factor (laughs) into a lot of things and feels very unremarked on but mm. in this section, yeah, okay, I've been talking a lot. <laughs> yes. Stop me whenever you have something to say about anything. Um, I I think it's uh, prom- I I don't know if sweet's the word, but like you're still showing some care about the characters, you know, like the fact that they ever exposing themselves. You know, you're still interested in figuring out some of the puzzle. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. At this point, 946, 40 pages from the end. But so in this discussion of or talking about this, uh, this movie, which then evidently ends with the one character yelling at the other murderer over and over and over, there's, um, there's this paragraph. This was just the sort of issue Mario and I argued about. As I see it, even though the cartridge's end has both characters emoting out of every pore, Accomplice's essential project remains abstract and self-reflective. We end up feeling and thinking not about the characters, but about the cartridge itself. By the time the final repetitive image darkens to a silhouette and the credits roll against it and the old man's face stops spasming in horror and the boy shuts up, the cartridge's real tension becomes the question. Did himself subject us to 500 seconds of the repeated cry, murderer, for some reason, i.e., is the puzzlement and then boredom and then impatience and then a excruciation and then near rage aroused in the film's audience by the static repetitive final third of the film aroused for some theoretical aesthetic end or is himself simply an amazingly shitty editor of his own stuff (laughs) and i'm at that moment i'm like david foster wallace knows what he wrote right (laughs) at page 947 of repetitive (laughs) boring like we've gotten we've gotten, yeah. been through that list of emotions yeah i and mean is he, is he his own taunting us critic like his insecurity and self-esteem even at this point in the book he's just like yeah does he know what he did or is he trying to tell us like oh it's the former it's on purpose i'm so clever or is he worried that that's what he's done and that's why that's in there but I just wrote, that's the book. That's the book right there. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, 
I just am just not at all interested. Like this whole last section is meaningless to me because I like here, I've got like three more things and then it's done. Uh, Joel Van Dyne goes back to the Ennett house and there's a police car waiting. That's the entire, it's like one paragraph. There's a long story from somebody at Alcoholics Anonymous who we've never met before, um, who tells a story about kind of yelling at his ex-wife and then going back and apologizing oh, to her. Yeah. Yep. It's just a story. There's kind of the only thing that actually wraps up in all this. There's a, there's an assistant district attorney, an ADA, who Gately had like stuck his, uh, had t- broken into the guy's house and, and, um, stuck the guy's toothbrush up his butt and taken a photo of it and then mailed it to him like a month later. And so evidently that has affected the mental health of the ADA's wife or girlfriend. And, and it's just, I mean, it's not a like plot wise, it's a little bit of wrap up, but like, theme wise it's just an, it's, it's an excruciating story of this guy is now himself in some sort of program for codependent people and has come to pat m from the, at the end house to like say that he's having trouble making amends to he's in a 12-step program and trying to make amends to gately yeah and and then we go back to the tennis academy we're in third person and there's a bunch of little things where people say like sort of in a reporter fashion of like people noticed that Hal was odd that night that he seemed a little off but then we don't and the and the wheelchair assassins have sort of arrived oh yeah but they're off stage they've arrived off stage pretending to be tennis players come to play the tennis teens and then and then Oren is trapped under a giant glass a giant like drinking glass like he used to trap roaches in his shower and he's being interrogated by a wheelchair assassin. Do you assassin. remember that? Yeah. You remembered that? I did yeah. not remember that. There was a, early on there was a like kind of long detailed description of the fact that he... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah really. Um, <laughs> that was his, it kind of long or like medium long or like long long? <laughs> that he would like, he didn't want to kill, that he would trap these roaches in his apartment under a drinking glass and then <clears> throw the drinking glass away. And then our very last scene, the last, what is it, 972, so like the last nine pages of the book, is Gately and his partner, who's scammed this bookie, sitting in a, in a drug stupor at the end of this binge, and, the, and these p- other people break into the apartment and begin torturing the, the scamming partner and give Gately some sort of really good drug. And and that's the end. And that's the end. And that's the end of the book. Yeah. And that's the end of the book. So the, we we don't know. I, I flipped all the way to the beginning of the book mm-hmm. to note that the very beginning of the book is uh, in in the when Hal is in the admissions to right. the college. That is the year of Glad, which I did go to the web and look up. Is the next year mm-hmm. after the year of it. Depend adult armor undergarments. So the very beginning of the book takes takes place after the very end of the book. So Hal is still alive. The Did you read that one theory? No, oh. I didn't read any theories. So I know you read some. You went went and read some. Like what is the end of yes? Infinite Just Mead. I I wanted to save for this podcast <laughs> my pure 
feelings of disappointment and frustration without being influenced by anybody else's feelings of disappointment and frustration or their pretend defenses. No, it's not. It's not. What, what I've talked a lot, Kate, talk, talk at me. <laughs> Tell me about this book. Okay. So I think I'm, I'm, I was quiet while you were reading, but I was still emoting. Like I was sighing and rolling my eye. Like I'm just so over this book. And yeah, I immediately was like, I was angry. And then I'm like, what? what okay. Explain it to me. Like, I don't, am I missing something? I don't know. Tell me what, you know? And so there's this, it's actually quite short. I didn't pull it up because I just assumed that you would have already read it. But I think it's worth reading. Okay. Or is it? I don't know. Okay, I can summarize it. Like, I'm not going to give the detail. <laughs> if you go, if you go and study this text, if you go back and read this text very carefully. Mm-hmm. There are clues throughout it indicating things happening. Now, this is a fan, like a fan, like some fan had came up with this theory. And a lot, and it sounds, I mean, like, I'm not going to go back and check all these things, but sure. it makes a reasonable amount of sense. Okay? Okay. That's not the only thing. I kept... But I just, th- th- there are hints at what? I mean, what's, um, the, what's the Who's theory? sending the entertainment? Uh... I, you know what? I'll just, I'll just find it. Okay. Because I'm not going to be able to remember any of it. But the other thing uh, that I've been, I just keep Googling in different phrases, like questions and stuff. And like, is infinite just a fraud? Or is, you know, like, is How infinite terrible just... is infinite just? <laughs> just different things to see what comes up. And I actually like... I, you know, I skimmed some articles. How many sticks would you rather put in your eyes? Infinite jest. <laughs> answer five. <laughs> Turns out it was one of those things where Google just Google just has the answer at the top. Like when you Google what's the population of Toronto or whatever, it's just like yes, five sticks. <laughs> and uh, I've actually highlighted some of the quotes from these different articles that I was like, this, this. Okay, so I will share that. After this. Please do. I'll put it in the show notes. This, uh, what do you call it? Studio break? No. What do you call it? Commercial? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do an ad read here. A commercial break? Infinite Jest. Stand by. It's a book you might like to read if you like to read things that are going to be frustrating. Okay, here it is. Oh, this looks like it's an excerpt. Oh, live online with David Foster Wallace, 1996. So, Herb, I don't know who that is. Um, is there no ending to infinite book because there couldn't be or did you just get tired of writing it there is an ending as far as i'm concerned certain kind of parallel lines are supposed to start converging in such a way that an end can be projected by the reader somewhere beyond the right frame if no such convergence or projection occurs to you then the book the books failed you all right so that's david foster wallace saying oh i've set it up so you can just imagine what would what, what would happen next it, it's just on the next frame. It's just on the next frame. <laughs> All right. Right. All right. So this is the theory. Gately, having relived his bottom, begins to recover from his infection. But at the same time, Hal's condition deepens. Ever since Hal ate the mold as a child, he's been a brilliant communicator, but unable to feel. 
And then it gives a quote. Hal himself hasn't had a bona fide intensity of interior life type emotion since he was tiny. In fact, he's far more robotic than John Wayne. Jim Incandenza was the only one who could see it. In everyone in life, everyone thought himself was just being crazy. But in death, as a wraith. Wraith? Yeah. He can actually read Hal's thoughts and thus confirms his view. In life, he created the entertainment to draw Hal out. Hal moves outwardly but doesn't feel inside. Victims of the entertainment feel something inside but don't move outwardly. After all, as he tells Gately, he was willing to resort to desperate measures. No, no, no. Any conversation or interchange between father and son is better than none at all. The Wraith is responsible for the strange disturbances at ETA tripods in the forest, moving Ortho's bed, blah, blah, blah. He knocks down the ceiling tiles in an attempt to find the DMZ. Pemulus is too distracted with getting expelled to have Hal take it. So the Wraith needs to get it to Hal some other way. Himself also created DMZ as part of an attempt to undo the effects of Hal's eating mold as a child. Recall DMZ is a mold that grows on a mold. He left it along with the entertainment. Recall the ETA kids finding Jim and Condenza's personal effects, a bulky old doorless microwave, a load of old TP cartridges, mostly unlabeled, and the tapes in DMZ are delivered together to the FLQ, which is about, which is about this goal. Stars a woman named Madame Psychosis, a street name for DMZ, explaining that the thing that killed you is in your last life will give you birth in the next. The DMZ and the entertainment were meant to go together for Hal. Now that the entertainment has escaped, he needs to get Hal the DMZ. Hal never leaves his toothbrush unattended, but that's no problem for a wraith. He places the DMZ on Hal's brush, and Hal brushes his teeth and immediately begins experiencing symptoms. Arthur thinks Hal's crying when Hal thinks he's speaking in a neutral tone. Hal's symptoms indeed begin to reverse. He is now unable to properly communicate feelings. People see him as either laughing hysterically or terribly sad, but beginning to actually feel. Like Gately, he spends a lot of time lying on the floor thinking about the past, the hero of non-action from his essay. While before, everyone could hear him except Jim and Kenzenza. Now only Jim can hear him since as with Gately, he can hear Hal's thoughts. By the time of the match, his symptoms are so bad he's taken by ambulance to the hospital. The only other emergency room I have ever been in was almost exactly one year back. Safely escaping the AFR's assault, like fellow student Otis P. Lord, he gets the bed next to Gately. Joelle, who is in the hospital for a meeting, visits Gately on her way out and recognizes how. She tells them both about the hunt for the lethal entertainment and the resulting continental emergency, and they all have to go dig up Jim's grave. They persuade John Wayne, a spy for the AFR, to become a double agent and help sneak them into Jim's Quebec burial site. Wayne presumably tells the AFR he's actually a triple agent, and he will steal the tape as soon as Hal digs it up. But as with Marath, his loyalties are ultimately even-numbered. The FR finds out and brutally murders him, which is why he can't win in the Whataburger. And then there's a citation of, like, 16F. Okay. That really, I mean, unless I'm, unless I really missed a lot in this book, about the last third of that, like, that goes from, that definitely goes from, like, Here's clues I've noted to here's no. my fanfic of no, no? there's there's a like if you google something about 
John Wayne, like it, it pulls up in the text. John Wayne was holding the head while I shoveled or something like that. Like it's in, it's in okay. the beginning of the book. Really? Yeah. Okay. Huh. You can look it up All if right. you want. All right. Wow. There's more. There's more? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to read this whole thing. Okay. Wait. Send me that link. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll read it and I'll put it in the show notes. So they dig up the entertainment in the grave. Someone got there first and had stolen it. And it is presumably the person who made it, who's made and mailed the copies. It could be the AFR or the OUS or the FLQ because they are all looking for it. It could be Avril. It had to be Oren. Oren, who never attended his father's funeral, went to the gravesite, dug up his father, releasing the wrath in the process. And then it cites like the page of where this happened. Mm hmm. Oren, who is such a partisan of his father that he feels the need to repeatedly ruin the lives of people like his mother, has been mailing the tapes to his father's enemies in revenge, disapproving film critics in Berkeley and the medical attache, whose affair with his mother drove himself especially wild in Boston. <laughs> After they release the roaches on him in the giant glass, Oren cuts a deal with the AFR and gives them the tape in return for letting him live. And then on page 14, you know what? This is too long. You just have to read all of this. Wow. Okay. So that's what I meant. If you go through the book, apparently, you can weave together. I'm sorry. I know I just read a bunch of stuff, but mm -hmm. I now want to read more bunch of stuff. A more bunch of stuff. Sweet. Yeah. Just put it in the. I'm yeah. sorry. That no, was... I talk a lot. So hold on. <laughs> now hold on a second. Okay. Now this was from. An article defending four theories towards the timeless brilliance of Infinite Jest. Mm. This is from four theories, four. not just one. <laughs> Look, I'm saying it's timeless and it's brilliant. And in case, and I'm going to tell you four different reasons why it is in case you don't buy the first three. And here is, and here really is the enigma of David Foster Wallace's work generally and Infinite Jest specifically, an endlessly compulsively entertaining book that stingily withholds from readers the core pleasures of mainstream novelistic entertainment. Among them, a graspable <laughs> central narrative line, identifiable movement through time, and any resolution of its quadrumvirate, quadrumvirate plot lines. That's... That's in a defense, defense of it. In defense of it, <laughs> let me say that his brilliance is he doesn't give you any of the things that make novels good. Okay. So that's one. Thankfully, Michiko Kakatani of the New York Times, who mm -hmm. we all know from Sex and the City, uh, was mixed in recognizing the inventiveness of the writing, but criticizing the length and plot. She called the novel a vast encyclopedia encyclopedic compendium of what seems to have crossed Wallace's mind. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, no, that's, I mean, that's, I guess that ties that. Yeah, I agree with that. Of like, like I think I've often said, you could probably grab, you know, you could grab any five pages of this and hand them to somebody <laughs> and they'd go, wow, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting novel. Can I read the rest of the thing? And you'd be like, no. <laughs> Because the other 995 pages don't match that five pages. Okay. I'm What's not it? done. Okay. So this is from Wikipedia. So I don't know. So that means it's true. <laughs> but 
Long after publication, Wallace maintained this position, stating that the novel does resolve, but it resolves outside the right frame of the picture. You can get a pretty good idea, I think, of what happens. Critical reviews and a reader's guide have provided insight, but Burns notes that Wallace privately conceded to Jonathan Franzen that the story can't fully be made sense of. Mm. I mean, I'll even buy the, like, I can buy things that are like, oh, it's it just finishes just, you know, it's the ne- it, it, the the invisible next five pages just tell you, you know, I it was so obvious. I didn't feel like I needed to. No, like there are a lot of good movies and books can end in this very poetic way that is ambiguous enough that you could have, you could, but it brings you to a point and this never brings you to that point. Yeah. Like, I can think, you know, lost in translation, like what did he whisper to her and what did that mean? Right. But it's in a, it's in a relatively small number of variations mm-hmm. and the end of the, the, the end of the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. what happens right when it goes black right but it's in a you know there's a very there's a very small number of possibilities N- nobody's like well and then the clowns come out in the sopranos <laughs> right after the b- screen goes black this feels very much like i mean that whole thing i mean i i don't dispute that the clues are there the clues are there or whatever that you can totally dig up this long story of like right. after but the that is not <laughs> it, at the end of this book it is it is not pointing you at as as Oren is you know as a glass glass jar is being lo- lowered over Oren 20 pages from the end you're not thinking oh and then he cuts a deal and then goes and digs up his father's grave and and that's a, you know and mm. it's like well okay i understand that this was experimental writing and that he was messing with a lot of different things mm-hmm. all those things that are smoothly brilliant about it right okay I did read a lot of articles bashing the people who are fans of this book, which I felt rang true. Oh, that was the other thing about this. Wait, you did or didn't? I'm sorry. I did. Mm. You know, literary bros and mm. whatever. But the thing that <laughs> the thing that this novel made me feel was like a voter who thinks that those Washington politicians, those intellectuals, they just think they know they're so much better than me. And that's how this book made me feel. Like, you know, all of, is this just so, you're supposed to be so smart if you can under, like, appreciate this book. <laughs> Sorry that a cat is attacking your headphones. I, mean, you know I but, mean, but do we need to, I guess, do those fans, we've talked a lot through this whole th- process about, oh, the people who like this. Mm-hmm. And do, I guess I haven't, I haven't gone and tried to read defenses of this. Do people defend this in the same way you're saying, like in the analogy of the voters? Like, I don't think the, the, those Washington in- intellectuals are usually saying, like, all the voters are so dumb, right? They're pursuing their own ends. And the analogy is not perfect, but especially in the case of a, a piece of media like this, like, do the people that like this just like it? And they don't, like, do they spend as much time <laughs> thinking about us who don't like it as we do about them who like it, right? Of like, is, yeah. are there defenses of this book that are, hey, here's why this book is great. And if you don't understand that, you're an idiot. I don't know that. So I, I, want, I do wonder if we're being a little unfair to people who like this, because they may not be spending as much time on, you know, thinking about, they may not be spending anywhere near as much time putting us down as, as we might think. They okay, are. M- oh, not the fans. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the person who wrote that incredibly complicated um, 
uh, theory, like they didn't, I mean, I'm sure they said, I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure they said like, hey, I, f- I think I figured this thing out from all these little clues. They didn't say, oh, look, this is so obvious. <laughs> like, hey, look, I, I, I'm embarrassed to even spell it out because it's so obvious that any <clears throat> moron could figure out that from these three words on page 14 that Oren dug up his, his father's body. It's hard for me to think and pet the cat. Because <laughs> you kind of have to think about petting the cat. Don't let him bite you. But... I know. That's what I... I don't know. I don't know how to alpha him. I'm in charge. <laughs> I'm going to pet you. And you're going to calm down. <sighs> now I'm completely lost my steam. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> you fell off in there because of me and my brain waves. I didn't push him. No cats were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I guess I just want to understand why it gets so much attention, and that's how it made me feel. And I'm not the only person that feels that way. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm with you on. I guess I'm, I'm with you on a. He's been not liking a it. genius. Uh, you know, hundred. You know, best books written. You know, people compare him to these great authors, and and I'm like, why? Like. All right. But I also think only a white man could have written this book and gotten this much attention. Hmm. If a woman tried, like a woman couldn't even get those read by, you know what I mean? Like, I guess it just feeds into some like white male privilege. Like it just, I'm just over it. Hmm. Waffle says, don't think about the book. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I kind of sputtered out there on the end because I just have been reading all of this stuff and I, I mean for sure i guess you know i was saying eric and i i read you know i finished this a couple of days ago and eric and i have been talking about it and i i mean one thing is for sure is like is <laughs> this book is not for me right i i was i've been trying to approach it a little bit you know i've been trying to approach it and i i don't want to i want to emphasize that to not not be saying this is anything wrong about your your reaction to it is you know in a kind of a humble way of like well maybe it's just not for me and because i've also read plenty of books you know i've read plenty of young adult books where i'm like oh this is just this is not for me mm-hmm. this is for a modern young adult this is for a you know a 16 year old girl of today it's not for me mm-hmm. and and i there's nothing wrong with this book i just you know, I'm not getting out what this book is trying to convey. And that's cool. <laughs> this, this thing, uh, like I subjected myself, I subjected both of us to it. And yeah, like if you enjoy it, cool. Not it for me. It make you mad? I mean, I guess what would make me mad, yeah, is if, is the, uh, again, because I did it to myself, I'm trying to, but is, is like, is this a brilliant novel? I don't think so, you know. Like, would I, would I support making other people read it in some sort of English class or something? No. <laughs> um, I mean, other than some sort of, you know, in a college where you're di- dissecting things, reading things critically, but like, don't make high schoolers read this as part of the, the new canon or anything. And if it's, you know, we, we made it, it's a big, it's a big accomplishment to read this many pages. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me so angry. Maybe I, I just need a place to put my rage. Mm. I want to condemn it. I mean, I've been real angry for 12 weeks. <laughs> right? I've been real... You kind of petered out and I'm, I'm just real angry, up. And then it just... 
Yeah, I mean, I, I the book is so dis the book to me was very disappointing. Um, where, where I've been saying for twelve weeks, like, well, if it doesn't, if this doesn't pay off, if this, you know, my threat of like, oh, if the book ends like this, I'm gonna go throw it in the lake. And and this week, I've just been like, well, hey, I should just you know like get rid of this book. Like, it's you know, I'm 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 packing up to move, and I've been doing lots of donation runs to the brown elephant, and I was like, well, I'll just throw this in the brown elephant box. And Eric was like, no, keep it. Like, this is an accomplishment. You'll want to hold on to it. And I'm like, eh, okay. Should we shellack it? <laughs> bronze it. <laughs> Just dip a book in bronze. Can't tell what it is. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It'd be a lot of bronze. It's a thick book. No, I think I... I think we should shellack it and make it into a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> And then we can wear it. We can sell them on Etsy. <laughs> Did you love Infinite Jest? <laughs> Let everybody know. Let everybody know with an infinite, with an, with an actual life size at the Infinite Jest necklace. What do you know? At the very end, I pulled out a another product. Another product. <laughs> Go to terrible photos of people I love. Etsy.com. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. I don't know if I have anything more to say. All right. Well, thanks for coming on this journey with me, Kate. You're welcome. We did it. Yay. We set ourselves a goal and we did it. It was really hard. Yes. <laughs> it was hard for me. I feel like I should. The only thing I feel like that is left to say is I almost like we there was an episode zero of this podcast where we said what we were going to do. And then there's 13 weeks. And then, just, like, and then there'll be another one. I'll be like six months later. Well, I feel like I should do a. <laughs> I feel like I should do a, a negative one episode and put it at the very beginning that says, "Don't read this book." <laughs> like, don't. I'm coming to you with a message from week thirteen, and the message is: I don't want people to get all this way with us and be like, "Oh, I read the book because you were reading the book, and so I wanted to read the book with you." It would be your. Um your last emergency transmission before yeah. they knock down the door. Yeah. Don't read it. Don't read the book. <laughs> the, the literary establishment is coming, but don't read the book. <laughs> yeah. Don't read the book, Kate. It's too late. We read the book. I sure did. What's next, Kate? What are you going to read next with all this free time you have not reading this book every week? <laughs> I don't know. I have some books on my list, like, but I haven't, like... You know, I just need a, I need a little downtime. <laughs> I need something light. It was very painful for me to read this book. I did not enjoy it. There were, it was not fun. Mm -hmm. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> so let me see if I, if I get this straight. You did, the, you did not enjoy it. That's the it, little clip you need to put at the beginning of the podcast. Mm. A little teaser. Just so everybody knows. I did not enjoy this book. <laughs> yeah don't read this book if you've made it this far in this podcast and have been thinking about reading this book don't read this book i hope mike picked up that tiny cat squeak is that is that all you have to say waffle well thanks everybody for listening to our podcast yeah thanks, thanks kate for coming over every week <laughs> thanks, thanks waffle thanks, for waffle. uh for sitting relatively calmly except for that part where you freaked out um, and attacked Kate. Except for that, thank you. Thanks to Noagenics 
for our theme music. Thanks to Dave Stinton for the name. And all these episodes, if you somehow got this somewhere else, they're all at terriblephotosofpeopleilove.com. And don't read the book. <laughs>